Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. So glad you've joined us. Oh, Lynn gets to introduce the guests. So I'm Joel Groat. <laughs> and I'm Lynn Wilder. And this is part three with John Kim. Yeah. This has been a great thing. John said to say this is the New Testament part of his life. <laughs> John finally comes to know the Lord after leaving Mormonism and wandering in atheism and some other strange places for a time, including New Age crystals. And never do New Age crystals. Never do New Age crystals. Okay. That uh, sounds like good advice. Um, welcome back, John. Oh, thanks again for having me. Um, so in the last episode, I found out Mormonism isn't true. And I want to pick up from there. Um, okay. The, the thing that was immediately on my conscience was I, I have to tell my parents. Um, and before I, you go there, just for just a quick brief recap, can you kind of just give the two or three things that just really were your trigger points? The thing, as you said, broke your shelf. You don't have to go into details. They can get the details in the previous episode. But just as a tie-in, so people know this wasn't just because you were a disgruntled member, you got mad at somebody. There were some real concrete things that brought you to this conclusion. Right. Um, so the realizations which helped me uh, leave Mormonism behind were the fact that they were actively misrepresenting and misquoting um, their previous profits for monetary gain, um, which is not okay. something you can hand wave with, you know, uh, and the fact that uh, the archaeology did not line up, um, in particular with, uh, you know, the non-invention of spectacles at the time the Book of Mormon claims uh, they would have been, um, you know, among the more typical stuff like horses and steel, uh, Elements. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Book of Mormon. Yeah, and for and for more information on this, John Kim Part Two. Yes, because we'll have links in the show notes to some of those things, the documentation that he refers to. That'll all be there in the show notes for Part Two. So, so awesome. Carry on, John. Yeah. So I'll just restate it so you can edit out my first time and make it seem like we had this plan from the start. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So in the previous episode, I found out that Mormonism wasn't true. Um, the thing that immediately was put on my conscience was I have to tell my parents. I, I have to come out to them. I have to let them know. So I, I remember it, it was dark outside. It was uh, after dinner. Um, we were all sitting around the kitchen table and uh, I got my parents' attention and I let them know like, Hey, I gotta let you guys know something. Immediately, I knew there was some, there was some fallout ahead. So I, I let them know, like, look, this is not about you. This is about me. Yeah. And this does not reflect on you 
or your parenting. You two have been lovely parents, and I love you two very much. But Mormonism isn't true, and uh, I no longer believe in the church. My mother's immediate response was, you're, you're trying to kill me, aren't you? Um, oh. Yeah, and I, I don't, I'm not bringing that up to dishonor her, but to just sort of point out how tight of a grip Mormonism has on people's hopes. Because uh, the thing I was killing off in that instance was her eternal family. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, yeah, they, they promise this eternal family. Uh, but then once you dig deeper, it's more like, well, if you're all really good, you get to be a family forever. If any of you screws up, uh, they get sent to, you know, heaven jail, and you get to visit them with limited visitation rights. And by, like, the Mormon definition, I was probably rejecting a true witness from the Holy Spirit and was therefore qualifying myself for their version of hell. Um, uh, but yeah. I think Mormons are very averse to their own hell. Uh, and so I don't know if my parents came to that conclusion. Um, yeah. They probably hand-waved it for their own... Um, peace of mind but um right yeah I'm, it, I'm finding that there's less and less mormons who other mormons are expecting are really going to end up in outer darkness i mean that number keeps shrinking you have to keep getting increasingly worse and worse and worse right um so yeah i think they're uncomfortable um with it themselves so yeah so uh my mom did not take it very well um my father took it better because he had had a very similar experience uh, in the first episode i mentioned that he had to come out to his shaman parents at that right. he was a mormon <laughs> right um so i think he uh related to me in that moment but i i know um it hurt both of them very much um it was uh it was a betrayal um in their eyes well, John, I've been through this as a Mormon mom, right? A son came to us. This was Michael, same. right? Yes. And, and it was in my mind all about the eternal family and all about now one member of the eternal family not going to be with us in the next life. And it wasn't about him. It was about me. What right. did I do wrong, right? In the Mormon faith, it's always your fault. What did I do wrong that would break up this eternal family? Right. Absolutely. So uh, that's what happened there. Um, to their you know, huge credit and something I'm very grateful for, they didn't disown me or kick me out. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, it caused a lot. Of, it, it damaged our relationship for several years. It, it's only now really back in a healthier state with my dad. Um, okay. I, I so, love that yeah. because now you've landed in a healthier place, right? Right. Yeah. So to uh, pick up on your question at the end of the last episode, Joel, uh, you asked me, well, you threw out the Bible and the Book of Mormon. What did you have left? And the answer is not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, it It's kind of like, uh, 
It's kind of like being out in a rainstorm and you've been taking shelter under a decaying, rotten church roof. And yeah, you that roof needs to go, so you take it out. Well, that doesn't get rid of the rainstorm. <laughs> yeah. So now you're just out in the rain. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's where I found myself. Um, and uh, shortly after leaving the church, um, I entered a very deep, dark depression and uh was very much uh becoming a nihilist not believing in the significance or worthwhileness of anything including life itself um yeah. and uh yeah think things got very dark uh i was starting to even like see the world in grayscale like my color the color the color was draining out of my vision i was uh so cross it was like you know there wasn't a point to anything um and i have no doubt that uh this would have uh led to suicide if uh my mother and my uncle hadn't uh staged an intervention um but uh yeah a after being pulled up out of that darkness of despair hopelessness uh a true lack of meaning. Um, it, it became apparent I kind of had to pin my life on something. Um, and so, right, because I, you'd already explained in previous episodes, you'd struggled with the moral walk. You'd struggle with doing it on your own, being good, being right enough, performing. And even within the context of Mormonism that gives all you these boundaries and guidelines and supposedly commandments and ordinances, you were failing miserably there. And so now without that, you're not harboring any illusions about your own innate goodness as a person. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so if the way forward isn't self-righteousness, what is the way forward? Um, yes. The correct answer is uh, God's righteousness, Jesus's righteousness imputed to uh, mankind through the cross, but, uh, not having that, uh, I decided to, uh, pursue, um, self-satisfaction, um, you know, rejecting a greater moral scheme and just doing whatever, uh, caught my fancy. Um, sure. and this took a couple different forms. There's a couple, there's different variations of this. There's, you know, straight out hedonism where you're just mm -hmm. pursuing all the pleasures you can. But uh, there's also stoicism, which kind of dresses it up differently and says like, well, the greatest self-satisfaction is uh, self-mastery and self-improvement. Um, not being, you know, not like chasing squirrels in the yard like a dog, but, you know, saving up for that big yacht. Uh, and uh, <laughs> sure. I, I tried that out for a while. Um, I was... Uh, yeah, none of that paid out. Uh, we we can go into the details, but it honestly was not a very meaningful part of my life. <laughs> um, well, so because here, it doesn't work. It doesn't right. fill the hole that's inside. Right. Lynn, what were you going to say? I, I think when you learn that Mormonism isn't true and you've had this moral fabric and all these rules and regulations, 
if the system that undergirds those isn't true, but you're, you're a human being who wants to live by something, you want to figure out some morality, what is good, what isn't good, now do I go shoot people, what, what do I do, what is wrong, what isn't wrong, because humans need those boundaries, right? They need to, if this is a lie, then what is the truth? If this is a lie, then what is the truth? If this is a lie, then what is the truth? So right. it's deconstructing, but reconstructing. So if you don't have the guidelines of the Holy Spirit and you don't believe in God, you're just doing a cafeteria thing. Oh, right. I'll, I'll do crystals. Okay, a little uh, stoicism here. Right. I'll try this for a while. I'm working with a woman right now who has gone to Wiccan. Full forward. She's telling me she can be a Christian Wiccan, you know. Well, good luck. She'll wander there for a <laughs> while, but probably not the rest of her life. Um, I honestly believe that unless you come to believe in the true God and you learn what he has taught and that becomes a part of you, that's the only time that real healing can take place, that real repentance and rebirth takes place. And I can surely see that in you, John. So tell us how that happened for you. Yeah, uh, will do. So uh, during my senior year of college, uh, I was writing an undergraduate research thesis for uh, the Honors College, the uh, the peak of the ivory tower. Man, oh man, don't go to Honors College. Uh, but um, uh, I was doing... Um, my research paper on the relationship between mathematics and music. Um, and mm -hmm. I got really obsessed and that's the right word. I got really obsessed with a branch of math called set theory. It's, it's kind of the mathematical logic underpinning the other branches. Um, so oh. like a two plus two equals four, right? But, what why is two different than four and what is plus and equals why are those in the same ballpark as the numbers um set theory is the part of math that explains that and those relationships and it's super powerful um wow. so i got super into it and music theory modern music theory is largely built on set theory um okay and uh, you probably know in the brain like like music and math are both let me think are they left-brained? Don't even worry thing. about it. <laughs> but they're but they're related, and people that are brilliant in music are often brilliant in math as well. And I have one son that's gifted this way, like you, John. Yeah. So as I was doing my research into set theory, I came across the axioms for set theory. Um. And axioms are unprovable statements, which the rest of the system is founded upon. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. uh, anyone listening to this program in the United States or in much of Europe, you've probably uh, done geometric proofs uh, during your time in school. Um, and so uh, axiom number one of set theory, sets exist. You can't, yeah, you can't prove they exist. But if you assume they exist, you build the rest of the mathematic out of it. 
Mm-hmm. And it the organizational works. structure, right? Yeah. For the science. Yeah. yeah. And that, that boggled my mind. I'm like, wait a minute. So this is real. Like math is real, but it's all fundamentally unprovable. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> axiom number one of number theory, uh, numbers exist. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, when but where'd they come from? <laughs> yeah, right. Because, like, the whole point of math is that it's powerful and explanatory because you go through these provable steps. Mm-hmm. Um, yet you cannot prove the building blocks. Yeah. Um, why then does it work? Why is it so real and powerful um, yeah. if it's unprovable? Like, and this was a big deal to me and as i thought about it i had i had this huge epiphany um changed my life and and where i realized well if math cannot be proven from the bottom up but it's still real it works like we build airplanes and do electricity work like math is real <laughs> yeah but if it cannot be proven from the bottom up that means it's real because something is keeping it in place from the top down. Mm. And wow. being a committed atheist, I realized, crap, that's God. <laughs> <laughs> um, Intelligent design, amazing. Yeah. J- just blew my mind to smithereens. Uh, because math is real, because things exist, God has to be real. You cannot have a real existence, a real reality, without a God to keep it there and to cause it. Mm. So I had inadvertently uh, come to uh, one of uh, Thomas Aquinas's arguments for God, the unmoved mover, um, but through math. <laughs> Oh, I just so, love that. And see how God works with us so personally, right? Right. Your brain moves to music and math. And so God totally reached you through the math. How right. cool is that? So how do you then make the connection or who helps you make the connection to, okay, now there's a God that exists back to traditional Christianity? Because for your whole life, Mormonism has dissed historic biblical Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right. Um so after realizing God exists, I, I took the question super seriously. I'm like, well, this is the most significant subject possible. I have to figure this out. What is God? Who's right about God? Um, and so uh, I was looking around like at all the different world religions trying to, uh, and philosophies trying to figure out like, okay, what is this God? Um, and, uh, I was getting into a lot of uh, C.S. Lewis at the time, I think. Um, okay. Good place uh, to go for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, since he uh, seemingly promises a neutral version of Christianity. Um, I'm not sure it's neutral in mere Christianity, but uh, it's very, very good book. Uh, yes. At least it's not any particular denominationally heavy. It's an it, it's mere Christianity. So what's the the essence? What's the mereness of it? Yeah, right. Well, that's like Christ without Mormonism, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's all you need. And so uh, while while I was uh, 
and I was also uh, partially predisposed to the Bible um, because during my whole Stoic phase, uh, I was really into a, a speaker and thinker named Jordan Peterson. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if he's come up on your show before, but he's a psychology professor from the University of Toronto. Who right, got... I know. Yes, I, I know him. Yes. Oh, I amazing. Know of him. Uh, yes. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he's, he's not a Christian, but uh, he... Uh, kind of turned me on to the idea of the Bible being more than it's originally seemed. Cause I figured it was just a fiction, a fairy tale, right? A mythology. Um, right. But uh, during his uh, lecture series on the uh, psychological significance of the book of Genesis, um, he uh, pointed something out that blew my mind is like, well, there's a primatologist who uh, had a question. Why do humans have such good eyesight? Uh, Cause in all the animal kingdom, we are second only to birds of prey in terms of uh, being able to see long distances. So being a primatologist, she does a big uh, pan-African study of primates. And what she finds out is that um, the snake, the, uh, I gave it away, the uh, <laughs> apes and monkeys with the best eyesight live in the area with the most snakes, um, their predator. And the ones with color vision uh, have mostly fruit in their diets. And uh, Jordan Peterson links this back to Genesis. He says, well, this book says uh, a snake gave uh, the man and woman a piece of fruit and they eat of it and their eyes are opened. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so, like, even as an atheist, that kind of blew me away. I'm like, oh, so there's, like, something more here than meets the eye. Uh, so I wow, had a... wow. So I, I was particularly interested in the Bible because of that. And uh, one of my friends and classmates from the music school, her name's Deanna Biles. Uh, sh- she's a flute player and a, you know, super, super evangelistic. Uh, we met on a bus one day my sophomore year and I just left the Mormon church and uh, she found out and she's like, well, don't you think the lower kingdoms of the Mormon heaven are basically like hell and eternity without God? And I'm like, wow, you're right. Like, you know, we, we, we got on swimmingly, uh, love her to death. Uh, when, when she found out I was investigating religion, she invited me to uh, come check out her church, Grace Community, Grace Community Bible Church in Sandy, Utah. And um, so I went there and I was kind of weirded out because, you know, being growing, growing up Mormon, you're raised with all these, you know, boring four-part harmony hymns. Like, they're beautiful, but man, like they drag on uh and here is this church like playing really crappy rock music i'm like wow like this is weird why is everyone singing along um, with people who are really engaged as if they believe in god right 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 well n- now now it makes total sense uh it was just a bit of culture shock for me um and uh over there at grace community bible church uh I met uh, one of the pastors, Pastor David Jansen, um, and we met several times afterward, and he answered a lot of my questions about the Bible and uh, how we could be sure it's reliable, um, you know, whether the stuff in it is true or not, uh, and that the original texts were reliably preserved to the present day. Um, And I started getting involved at Grace as a volunteer sound engineer. Um, and so I would do the uh, sound for their Sunday worship service and before that I would always go to Pastor David's 
uh, Sunday school class where uh, he was doing his uh, How We Got the Bible series. And it was there I sort of learned how I had been misinformed by the Mormon church about the Bible's reliability. And that brings us to a rather abrupt end to this podcast recording. John was so engaging that Lynn and I just let him go for the equivalent of two episodes, and we decided we'd figure out the editing later. So that's what we're doing. Now, before we conclude, I want to share a brief excerpt from next time when John concludes his interview with Lynn and I. Being a Mormon, life is cold. There's a promise of a fire at the top of the mountain. And let's say it's Mount Everest. It, it's an enormous mountain. It's there's a, there's a fire up there, and you can get warm if you make it to the top of the mountain. It's not there. <laughs> there is no fire on top of the mountain, and as you try to strive for it, you end up just living a completely cold and exhausting, distorted life. Since I put my faith in Christ, he has brought the fire down to me um, through his death on the cross, and now life is very warm. It's always bright, a little sparkly, and I don't necessarily mean that in the visual sense, but it's like there's always hope, and it's always full and satisfying because it's a real hope. So, thanks again so much for being a part of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We're delighted that you've been with us. As Lynn would say, grace and peace. Until next time, so long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven, is out, and for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm-hmm.